Hey guys, it's your girl Ashley Graham, and you are listening to Business Life and Coffee Podcast with your boy Joey Price. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Life and Coffee Show. If you're listening, you're probably commuting to work or from work or at the gym or doing something to try to double your productivity and manage your time. So we are joined by Chad Cooper, who is the author of a recent book entitled Time Isn't the Problem, You Are, Four Strategies to Transform Stress into Success. And on today's episode, we are going to be learning about all the ways you can reevaluate how you manage your time and some of the old outdated tactics that we're using to manage performance and, uh, and, and kick those up into the, the 20th century for a bit. So Chad, welcome to the show. Great to be able to join, share some stories, and give you guys some tips today. So, thank you. Chad, I'm, I'm always curious, uh, whenever we have authors on the show, what prompts you to write your book? So, could you give us a little backstory about the book writing process and, and what caused you to write your book? Well, a self-help book is often a result of a selfish action, and I am no exception to that. Uh, The short story in that is that when I hit 35, I was able to retire the first time. Small little computer company, probably never heard of, called Microsoft. No, I've never heard of it. (laughs) No? Okay. Yeah, they're kind of of known out there. When I hit 40, I had achieved all of the bucket list items that I had dreamed of, so much so that I actually applied for a Guinness World Book record of the 900 most popular bucket list items accomplished. And so I hit a point where I went, oh, crap, tell me this isn't all there is. Tell me that there's something more. And I've got 40, 50, 60 years, you know, God willing, in front of me. What am I going to do? So this was a process of really me being able to replicate what allowed me to be successful in the first 40 years of my life, uh, maybe you know, 39 and a half. I'll give myself a half a, a year in uh, infancy for being a child. <laughs> but in reality, uh, you know, what, what was it that allowed me to be successful, and could I re- replicate that? And the answer was yes. So I spent really two years in the process of replicating it. And then like many people, when they do that, it works for them. But that doesn't mean that it will work for others. So there's a lot of gurus, a lot of experts out there that say, hey, this is what worked for me. Go do this. And then it falls short. Well, my goal is really wanting to make sure that it would work across the board for others, regardless of whether you're a billionaire or you're a household you know, executive CEO. So that was really the kind of the path that led me through it because I needed to know how to create a legendary lifestyle again. Okay, and Chad, I'm I'm just curious. You piqued my interest. What were you doing at Microsoft? Oh man, that's <laughs> that's a loaded question because back in the day, uh, basically we were you know money was no object. We were in the heyday. People were making money hand over fist, and that meant that you could pretty much be in any job and rotate around every six months to a year. 
So you moved around constantly. Not good for your customers, but good for employee <laughs> retention and satisfaction. So I worked my way up from the uh, premier, uh, being able to be a premier um, rep. So I was actually the advocate to large corporations like a General Motors or uh, McKesson in the healthcare industry. You know, companies like that where I would actually be the advocate on their behalf. So if they had any issues. I was the guy that would go and run it up the flagpole in Microsoft and bring in the, the right people for emergencies, those kind of things. And I ended up leaving there actually being what's called an ITIL master certification, very prestigious, extremely difficult certification to get at the time. And I worked at the CXO level, so CTO, CIO, CEO, to help transform, believe it or not, transform the IT department from an expenditure into an asset. So back then, IT was not considered an asset or strategic asset for the company. And so this was in the early days of, look, you guys don't know what you have here. Now, of course, we know you can't do without the IT department. Yeah, I can't imagine a day when IT, where someone's looking at the IT bill and saying, is, is it really worth it to have these computers and this software? You know, I, I just can't imagine that day. Well, it makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. that existed. I truly didn't mean that at all, Chad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I made myself feel old. I'm not blaming you. <laughs> well, so you talk about the legendary lifestyle, and surely, surely your uh, experience and opportunities have uh, resulted in that. But truly, for someone listening to the podcast who might be an entrepreneur starting out or someone who is in business working their way up the ladder, uh, is this legendary lifestyle really something that anyone can achieve? I, I believe it's something that everybody wants to achieve. So the question really is, how do I make time serve me? I think that's what people are looking for. Instead of telling people you know, how to do their job more effectively or how to cram more into their calendar, the reality is, is the things of the 80s, the 90s, and even the 2000s aren't really relevant today because we're a global economy. We're a global society. We are no longer nine to five. And so we get inundated with technology, whether it's an email or social media or text or phone call, whatever it may be, we're constantly going past the nine to five hours. And so it becomes a, a question of how do I maximize time? How do I crack the code to, is this all there is? And so I've had the very fortunate privilege to work with financial titans, billionaires, multimillionaires, uh, very well-known executives in financial titans of the world, and also with professional athletes and Olympians. And what I was able to do, in particular with Olympians as an example, is be able to identify, when you look at an Olympian, many of the Olympians that I've worked with, they or in their early teens to early 20s, or late teens to early 20s, when they earn a gold or silver medal. And so they peaked at a very young age in many people's eyes. And so then they ask the question is, is this all there is? Many of them will forego a education or other parts of their life for this very specific commitment. And as an entrepreneur, we can relate to that, right? We give everything to build our empire, to build our business, at the sacrifice of our relationships, at the sacrifice of our health and other areas of our life. And so an Olympian can work their entire youth off and they don't typically enjoy the journey to become this medalist that they then resent 
that they don't have anything that they can pivot to. So they resent that it's primarily all that represents who they are, but they don't want to be defined only by this achievement, but they have nothing else that they can pivot towards. And that's very similar to a business entrepreneur, right? Agreed. Agreed. I used to say that I would train like an Olympic athlete or I was building my business like an Olympic athlete where all I would do is I had my set time where I'd focus on my business efforts and that would be an eight hour day, 10 hour day, 15 hour day. And then you just wake up and do it all over again in those early days. Yeah. And so I could work with a professional athlete. I've worked with, with uh, athletes working on multi, multi-million dollar contract renewals. And they're right at that point where their game's off. Now, look, I've worked with world champion boxers, baseball players, hockey, football, you name it. But when they're up for a contract, probably not the best time to be off your game, right? Not the time for you to be being that, that low-level player. And so what often happens is I can't tell you how to box better or how to throw a ball better. That's not my skill set. And they probably don't need me for that. They've got other coaches. But what I can do is help them understand that when they get on the mound physically to throw that ball, but mentally their head is back at home whether their spouse is cheating on them, and the answer is probably are in, in you know, some of the cases that I worked with clients, is that's enough for them to be off their game. And so it becomes a question of when you reach that point in life. 97% of us will reach a point in life, a, a point of attainment where we have to choose. The next op- obstacle standing in the way of us getting to that next level in life, be it business, health, finances, whatever, it looks like to be a challenge. Do I choose the contract or do I choose to preserve the marriage? And we have that point where we're just exhausted. We're tired. Maybe we're bored or maybe we're living in a place of fear. And so what I help them do is, is get out of that mode of drifting. Well, I just need this you know, fix for now or I just need to back off for a little bit. And that becomes a habit and we start dabbling or drifting. And so what I actually help people do is to know what charges our batteries. If we know what charges our batteries, then we can schedule it. So for me, you know, maybe it's guy time. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's planning dates with my wife or playtime with, with my son. But if we know what that is and then we know how to use our purpose and integrate it, we can create a lifestyle that's legendary on our terms, our standards, not society's. Because the reality is the society standards are pretty low. I can agree with that. We can see on the news some of the people that will sacrifice their personal relationships for gain. And it can be pretty demotivating as a, uh, a person of faith who believes that it's possible to have all things uh, that, are, that are for you as long as you do that with integrity. Yeah, so let's take two, two well-known examples. Bill Gates and Warren Buffett were interviewed by Charlie Rose back in January of 2017. And Bill says that one, one of the greatest things that he learned from Warren Buffett, and if this, is, this is for people who are thinking, I'm just going to cram 196 hours in a 168-hour week. He said he used to think that having a crammed and busy schedule was an indicator of his level of seriousness and commitment. But what Warren taught him is that actually creating padding, see padding isn't just for furniture, but creating that space in our calendars 
is actually what brings out our creativity. It's what actually gives us our breathing room so that we can recharge our batteries and be our best. So if you're trying to build that empire and you're not creating that, that pit stop time, think about it. You can't win a Formula One race or a NASCAR race without making a pit stop. But it's also equally important to know when to strategically make that pit stop and how to make it as, as effective as possible. And that's what I do with clients. That's what I do in my book. Is I'm not going to teach you how to soup up your Lexus. I'm not going to teach you how to soup up your Mercedes. What I'm going to teach you how to do is assume that you already know how to drive. You have your driver's license. And I'm going to teach you how to drive like a Formula One race car driver and know how to strategically use those pit stops to recharge so you can win in the game of life. That's incredible. And I, I, I use the same concept too, I, but I call it margin. So having margin in my day, having margin in my week so that I can have an opportunity to uh, stop and smell the roses and maybe, you know, running with that analogy there, it's, it's that, that pause where I'm smelling the roses where a strike of, of innovation or a strike of creativity hits me and I wouldn't have that space if I'm just juggling and moving from task to task to task to task. So, uh... Oh, I, I kind of feel good. I kind of feel like uh, me, you, and, and Warren Buffett and, and Bill Gates have, have something in common there. <laughs> Absolutely. But let's look at the opposite of that. So you can take Tom Brady, right? Everybody in the world knows Tom Brady's now won five Super Bowl rings. But when he won his fourth, he was quoted in Rolling Stone magazine as, I'm the guy that's got four Super Bowl rings. Tell me that there's got to be something more. Brad Pitt was also interviewed in Rolling Stone magazine a previous time and said, look, I'm the guy that's got, all, got it all. I've got the, the private plane. I've got celebrity status. I've got the money. I've got the wife. But at the end of the day, it doesn't help me sleep any better. And we've seen people in these scenarios. You know, unfortunately, we've seen Robin Williams, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jim Belushi, Chris Farley, on and on. We can name people who seemingly had it all, but why did they not feel like they were winning? Why didn't they feel like they were successful? Well, the answer to that is because those things that were told, once I have the right car, once I have the right house, once I have enough money in the bank, once I have all these things, then, then I'll be happy. Only to get there and go, crap, it didn't make me happy. It was a big fat lie. So if we know that it's not things or titles that make us happy, what is our purpose? Our purpose is not a bunch of things. Our purpose is a set of feelings and emotions. And so if you're trying to say, you know what, I'm attaining, but I just don't feel like I'm on fire, like I'm recharging my batteries, let me offer a quick way for you to find your purpose. Should we do that? Let's dive in. Let's go. All right. So think about, pull out a piece of pen and paper or do it when you have a break and write down three to five of the happiest moments or memories that you can think of in your life. So the three to five things that, that you recall as just being extraordinarily great experiences. And I want you to write down as much as possible in detail, specifically writing the feelings and emotions that were part of that. Like paragraphs of it, not just like one or two sentences like many of us will try to get away with. And once you do that to five experiences, five memories, is go back and circle all of the emotions and feelings. And what you will find 
is that there are common recurring feelings and emotions that happen. And the more memories you go back and recall, the more that you're actually going to find specific emotions and, mem- and, and feelings that keep reoccurring. Those are your purpose. That's what we live for. That's what we're seeking. And so once you know what those are, then we take that language, we take those feelings, and we incorporate them literally in the subject line of the vehicles or activities that we're accomplishing. And that's what transforms somebody putting down workout as an appointment on their calendar versus building slow and strong to grow beyond or being the example of fitness and character to my children or leading a team across the finish line, right? It's not the, it's not, there's a saying by Al Granham who said, it's not our strength that holds us to our purpose. It's the strength of the purpose itself. So if we know what the strength of the purpose is, that's what actually gets us to continue across the finish line where discipline gives in to temptation. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm writing that quote down. Do you mind saying it one more time? It's not the, the strength. It's not our strength that holds us to our purpose. It's okay. the strength of the purpose itself. Now, I can attest to this. I'm you know, a former major-sponsored, semi-pro Ironman triathlete. And I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is no logical reason to ever do an Ironman. Okay? I don't care what somebody's going to tell you. They're full of it. You do it because you can, because you want to see what you're made of. And it's going to include pain. It's going to include challenge. But I did it because I knew the strength of my purpose. Strength of my purpose was I wanted to know what I was made of. I wanted to go after something others couldn't achieve. And so I had to make sure in my training, in the event, I mean, there was a point in my first Ironman where I got to the run and it was like three miles in. And I'm looking at this like row of bushes, right, by a tree, like a forest area. And I'm like, man, I could just go in there. I'm in so much pain. This is so difficult. I could go in there for like four hours and then come out and act like, oh, it's so painful. Oh, yeah, it was so hard. And then cross the finish line. And I went... Yeah, but I'm the one that has to live with knowing that I cheated for the rest of my life. I'm the one that has to, to be able to deal with and look in the mirror saying, you didn't really do it, did you? So you got a medal that you didn't earn. And luckily, I continued because along the way, there's markers that you actually go past that read your uh, leg band that say you're actually really doing this and not the guy in the bush. Yeah. But it was because I knew the strength of my purpose. I knew that I was there to actually inspire my family to not just quit when things were difficult, to be that inspiration, to be the model for others. And I did it, and I included charities, so I was fighting for something bigger than myself. When we do that and put that actually in the subject line, it transforms the experience from a have to into a get to experience that actually recharges our batteries. So, Chad, I am curious, and I'm sure our listeners are curious, how do you find that purpose, and how do you, not so much how do you find the purpose, but how do you know that you found a purpose that's strong enough to cling to? That's, whether it's 
uh, am I working at the right job or uh, do I have the right motivations for, for launching my company or uh, am I in this, this relationship for the right reasons? What have you found to be a, a, some key indicators that you're on the right track? Yeah, that's a pretty big question, and, and I'll, I'll give some key indicators, but it's really part of the, the book really goes deep into that, and I have a 12-week program that I actually go side-by-side side and work with you to really dig into identifying your purpose. But there's a couple of things in that. One is I'm not convinced that your purpose is something that never changes. We have different phases in life. So we have our, our adolescence, right? And that's the time where uh, when we're a young adult and we're learning. We're learning from other masters. We're learning our skill trade. And we're trying to become the expert. Well, that's a very different experience than when we get married or we have kids and our priorities shift. So our purpose can morph o- over time. And when the kids move out and we're empty nesters, our priority or our purpose may again shift. And so the question is not whether... It's one thing because, I be, again, I believe that our purpose is a set of feelings. And those feelings can be constant, but the vehicles we use to achieve or create those feelings can change over time. So for me, it used to be doing Ironmans and doing triathlons. Before that, it was being in the Marine Corps. And since then, it was doing Navy SEAL Bud School in my 40s and attempting that. Now, unfortunately, I ripped my hip ligament off the hip bone, and I trained 10, 10 coaches to go through it and supported them, but wasn't able to do it myself, and frankly, I'm okay with that. I, I, I know what my medal's worth. But we have to be able to go through and identify what those feelings are and then see how they meet our needs. And the originator of that is, is Maslow, then Erickson, and now today people know Tony Robbins for what's called the six human needs. And they really haven't changed over time. But in those six human needs is the need for certainty, the need for variety or uncertainty, love and connection, significance is number four, and then growth, and then contribution beyond ourselves. And what we need to figure out is what is our order? For me, it's growth and contributing beyond myself, which is what makes me passionate about being a coach. It's what makes me want to create adventures and charities and combine them and do philanthropic work around the world. And so if we know what our order is and we know the feelings that we want to create, then we can open our world to a countless number of vehicles that can actually fit that bill. Does that make sense in terms of what I mean by vehicle and and meeting our needs? Yeah, it does. The, The path at which you choose to get those feelings met. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what we're all trying to do is feel a certain way. And if we're able to do that and we're able to find the vehicle that that allows us to do it, then we call that happiness or fulfillment. But if we're doing things like, for example, uh, a a gift in the morning on on the kitchen table for your birthday, we call that a surprise. Well, that's just variety and it's uncertain what's in it. We're excited about what's in it. But somebody in a dark alley and you see a shadow as you're going through, that's uncertainty and variety in a way that we call bad. And so the goal is to find the vehicle that actually supports the feelings we want to create and not the ones we want to run away from. 
Okay, so it's helping us to, this is extremely helpful, by the way, and so it, you're, you're informing people to find ways that you can architect your life, but doing it with a way that's focused on the end goal, and the end goal being whether it's the feelings or the, the needs that we want to have met. Uh, that, that's great stuff. That's great stuff. Yeah, so as an example, I'm the guy that gets up on a stage with thousands of people, right? I'm the guy that can go on stage, put the spotlight on me, and I can enjoy that because I'm able to grow. What are these people looking for? How can I serve them? How can I help them? And so I'm able to contribute beyond myself. So that meets my order. But to be honest, after that, that's the last thing. I do not want to go to a large party, a, a big you know, dance or, or bar. That is the opposite of what I want. What I'd actually rather do is go hang out at a, you know, a, a place and have a coffee or go to a bar with maybe two other guys, and I can actually meet my needs for connection and being able to share what was awesome about being up on stage, which might be significance, or being able to, to you know, serve other needs. So you see, we can meet our needs through multiple vehicles. The goal is to make sure we're choosing those vehicles correctly. So it's a difference of, I see people say, you know, how many of us as parents feel guilty we don't get enough time, quality time with our kids? Well, if you're normal, probably most of us, right? But we fill our calendar with a subject line that says, drop the kids off at soccer practice or at school or at band recital. And the problem with that is that we have a perfect opportunity for quality time. But because we're not specific with our language or our purpose, we squander it and we waste it. And we, you know, we're on a, a phone call, re returning a voicemail or talking to somebody and our kids in the back seat tuned out on a screen tablet or, or iPhone or Samsung, whatever it is. So instead, my subject line actually says, I've safely traveled, spending quality one-on-one -on -one time, transporting, transporting my son to an extraordinary experience. And there's three premises in that. One is I've left safely, which means I'm dealing with traffic, congestion, or you know, construction. So I'm not that, that person of character flipping somebody off and not being the person I want my children to be themselves. Right? We're incongruent with who we see ourselves versus how we behave. Number two is spending quality one-on-one -on -one time means that I'm not on a phone call. He's not in the back seat doing something else, but we're actually interacting and having a quality conversation. And setting him up for an extraordinary day, I get the privilege of taking my son every day we walk to school. Well, he rides his bike and I walk. And every day I ask two questions. What's going to be the best part of your day today? What are you going to do to make the ordinary extraordinary? And then the third bonus is who's better because of you today? What if you actually looked forward to your day asking those three questions and setting your day up to support an outcome that actually makes it a better experience? So our language shifts the, and shapes the emotions and the meanings of the experiences we're about to, to undertake. That power of positive thinking and, and positive framing. We it's not just positive thinking, though, right? Because people talk about that all the time. This is actually putting it into your calendar, which inundates you day in, day out. This is something that we see all the time, and we have limp language in our calendars, and we wonder why our life's, like, eh, boring. 
it's okay. <laughs> so if we really want to make it awesome, if you really want a legendary lifestyle, you got to kick it up a notch like Emerald, right? You, gotta, you can't go for good because the universe does not reward good with great. Think about who came in second place after Michael Phelps in any of his races. I have no idea. Nobody knows. Second fastest in the world. And that's how the universe works. If you have a good marriage, expect it to end up in divorce someday. If you have a great marriage, at some point you'll settle for good. Or you'll have points of that marriage that are good. So if you want an, an extraordinary marriage, you've got to go for legendary. If you want to have an extraordinary career, you've got to go for legendary. You've got to live to your standards, not good. Because the universe doesn't reward it that way. So, Chad, we're talking at a, at a pretty high level about shaping our life and, and shaping our world. Um, but part of your book is also about our time management and, and time management strategies. What are some tips and advice you could share for our listeners to help them manage uh, their life, but also to manage their minutes? Great question. And so what I can recommend, a, a, a simple tip Again, these are 80s and 90s and early 2000 tactics. There was a reason why Steve Jobs was adamantly passionate about not letting to-do list into his software. We all remember that, right? Yeah. All the controversy. And people are like, no, man, to-do list, we need them. I'm going to tell you, get rid of your to-do list. Because a to-do list is nothing more than another calendar with a different skin or overlay. You've got 168 hours a week. That's one week worth of time. It doesn't matter how much money you were born with. It doesn't matter your gender, your ethnicity. doesn't matter any of it. That's the great equalizer. You don't get an hour more or less. If you have an hour less, it means the Grim Reapers come to get you. Yep. So Bill Gates, you know, Warren Buffett says, I'm the guy that can buy anything, but I can't buy another hour of time. So if time is what separates the boys from the men... It's how we maximize that time. How do we make time work for us that separates us in, into a legendary lifestyle? So one of the things we have to do is understand you're going to have more to do than you will ever have time to do it in. So get rid of the to-do list and start saying what are you really committed to and blocking it onto your calendar because otherwise you're just lying to yourself and stressing yourself out. Now, can you go and listen to an audiobook and workout? Yes, that is true multitasking if you can concentrate. But most of us really can't. And so the question is, is, are you deliberate and present in the things that you say you're committed to? Are you using juicy and delicious language in the subject line that ties it to the strength of the purpose? You do those two things, and you will absolutely change the, the trajectory of your life. So get rid of the to-do list and just put things in your calendar. And it's going to force you to make decisions, which is more important. Because ultimately, you're in the same place as me oh, man, I want to do this and this, and there's not enough time. Well, which one do you want to do first? What do you want to do and say, yes, and I can do this other thing two weeks from now or two days from now? Well, Chad, do you have any parting thoughts to share with our audience? This has been an excellent conversation. We've talked about... Well, we've talked about your celebrity clients, and I'd love to get a, a story about one of the celebrity clients on the way out. But uh, we've talked about your work at Microsoft. We've talked about uh, your bucket list and legacy, legacy lifestyle. And we have talked about time management and life management. 
Um, is there anything else that you'd like to leave out on? And could you share a, a cool story of, of working with one of the celebrity or athlete clients? Sure, sure. Most of my clients like to keep their their name uh, private for, I think, obvious reasons. Yes, but, of course. Uh, of some course. of them have been very, been very generous. Um, what I will leave you with is if your life was projected up on a movie screen, all your friends, family, coworkers were invited, and they're playing back your life from this point backward, would it be a blockbuster hit or a B-rated movie? Would you be the lead actor or supporting actor? And if the answer is, is you're not playing the role in the genre that you want, then what can you do to find your purpose and start integrating it into your calendar? Where are you being purposeful? Because that's the difference of just making more money versus sucking the juice out of life. Somebody who sucks the juice out of life. Did I lose you? I'm here. Okay, good. Somebody who I know that sucks the juice out of life is one of my clients, Nonito Donore. He's an eight-time world champion boxer. He's up for his ninth title on Saturday. And this is an extraordinary human being. He is one of the most humble, kind people I've met in life. He's got an extraordinary family. And corner are incredibly powerful people. But you put that man in the ring, and let me tell you, I won't step in the ring with him. He, he, he is an animal, and he will destroy anything in his way. But he was up for one of his, his titles, and he's, he was looking for what's going to keep him going. I said, well, if you're like most people, you're going to get to a point where you're going to go, I just asked him, I said, at what round are you going to say and use as an excuse, I've given enough, I'm giving myself the excuse to lay down? See, it's not like any of us haven't had tragedy in our lives. We all have difficulty, tragedies, obstacles that have gotten in the way. The question is, is whether you use those as an excuse for your continued poor decisions and behavior or as an explanation to rise above and past it. And so when he was faced with, I need some motivation, I said, fine. What if I told you that your kids have been kidnapped, and if you lose this, this fight, they'll die? I said, at what point would you give up in that fight? And he said, never. I would do anything, everything possible. I will, I will win in no matter what because my family, my kids are too important for me to give up. And he kicked the crap out of the guy. That's leverage. That's knowing the strength in your purpose. And here's a boxer that is making his career out of it, and he's that passionate about his family. But he's that present when he gets in the ring as well. So is what you're doing just making more money? Or are you at the point where you're sucking the juice out of life and you have financial abundance as part of the measurement? So there's my celebrity story for you That's and how incredible. you can, can rise above any difficulty where you come from. That's incredible. Well, Chad, it's really been an honor to have you on the show and look to have you back soon. And for our listeners out there, make sure that you grab his book. We'll put it in the show notes. And that book is called Time is Not the Problem. You are Four Strategies to Transform Stress into Success. 
what I would love to invite is if you just go to my website, chadecooper.com forward slash challenge. If you buy any version of the book, you can get it Kindle, paperback, or audiobook. I'm actually giving my five-day Legendary Lifestyle Challenge away for free. So if you buy the book, I'm giving the five-day challenge for free. It's normally like $500 or $481. So if you want to know, do you have what it takes to create a Legendary Lifestyle Foundation, then go out to chattycooper.com forward slash challenge. Excellent. And this has been the Business Life and Coffee Show. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at? only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems. Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at JumpstartHR. Jumpstart HR. Let's build a better business together.